Acts. Um, chapter 4 is where we'll be at today. We're continuing through the book of Acts till we get all the way through it. Um, hitting at least every chapter at least once. Um, so we'll be spending a good amount of time in that. So I encourage you, I challenge you to each week be reading through at least one chapter of the book of Acts. Like next week we'll be in week five, in chapter 5. So be, go ahead and be reading the 5th chapter of Acts, studying on it, and then come in next Sunday to expecting to get revelation from God into what it is that we see happening in the 5th chapter as we will today in Acts chapter 4. We'll be reading verses 13 through 21. So Acts chapter 4, verses 13 through 21. If you want to follow along in your scriptures, you can. We'll also have the scripture up here. But if I titled this, this this morning's sermon, it would be Speak Up. All right, Speak Up. And we'll see that in this story here in just a minute. But how can we speak up? So Acts chapter 4, verse 13 through 21 reads like this. It says, And now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. I want to start by asking you a question as we talk about being unqualified. What do Abraham, David, Gideon, Moses, and Rahab have in common with Peter and John in this scripture? Think about that for a moment. and As you begin to study through each of their stories you would realize that there would be some of their peers that viewed them as unqualified for what it was that God had commanded them or asked them or told them that they were going to do. Abraham was was too old to bear a child. David was too young to be really considered as king. His own father didn't even bring him into the house when Samuel came, right? Gideon, the Bible tells us, was a fearful man, yet he was called to be the general over all of Israel and and to overtake the armies that that were against them. Moses was meant to speak and to lead thousands of Israelites' people out of Egypt to go against Pharaoh himself, and Moses had a study. Rahab was meant to help be a deliverer of the people of Israel out of Jericho and give them access into the Promised Land, but Rahab was a a prostitute. And then here we see Peter and John are called uneducated and untrained. And to those that were around these men and those that were around others, they viewed them and they looked at them and they said, surely these can't be people that have any purpose, that have any value, that have any really significant importance to the story that God is writing, that God is interweaving, that God is spreading throughout all the Old Testament and New Testament. If you just laid out the names of these people, their occupation or their history, their story, we probably wouldn't have picked these people without seeing their names of who it was that was important and influential to what God was trying to do, we would have said that's unqualified. They're unqualified for what God needs and wants 
to do. And any job that you will see, that you apply for out in the world, will have some kind of qualifications, right? It'll say maybe you need this many years of previous experience or you need to have some level of education, some prior skills that you have that are relevant to this job, different things that you may need to have the qualifications to be hired or even considered for the job. And we understand that if you don't have those qualifications when you look at that job, there's no reason to even apply. It's basically what they're telling you. If you don't meet these things, don't even apply. And many times we look at religion, we look at our walk with God, we look at ministry, we look at people who will serve God, and we think that there's a list of qualifications, that there's certain things, many things, that just if you can't speak real, or if you don't know this, if you don't know that, you're just unqualified. If you're young, you're unqualified. Or if you're too old, you're Unqualified. If you're this or if you're that, you're unqualified for what God is wanting to use you for. Now, many times in my life, and maybe in your own, there's been times where you went out and you've tried to, to do something. And you felt like you wanted to do it. You felt like it was a good thing to do, the right thing to do, what you're supposed to do, whatever it may be. And you set out to do it just to be told that you're not supposed to do that. You're not qualified to do that. You're not the one that's supposed to do that. You need to go to somebody else, have them do it, because surely you can't be the one that is able to do what you think you're setting out to to do. You all know my story. I started preaching when I was 14 years old. I was raised under a pastor. I went to church all my life. I've been under the gospel. I've been under the teaching of the word. I knew the scriptures. I knew church, right? I knew church culture. I knew church society. I knew church people. I knew how we ticked. I knew how we did things. I knew the traditions. I knew everything that came, came around it, right? At the age of 13, 14, is when I finally embraced it. But at age 13 at least, I started feeling the call to preach. Like God was going to use me for something more than what I had already settled on doing in church, right? Which was singing some and, and, and helping in different things. And, you know, maybe one day I might do something a little bit more, maybe teaching in church or helping some other capacity as I grew older. But I felt this calling upon my life to do this. And I went and talked to my parents. I've told you all this, I believe. I went and talked to my parents, and they said, well, are, are you sure? Because that's kind of surprising. Right? That's a, that's a little bit, you know, off the wall to hear you you say that you, you think you need to be a preacher, right? And I was like, okay. Tell me you don't think I should do this without telling me you don't think I should do this. But they didn't say I was unqualified. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying they tried to push me away from doing it. But they, they want they there was a surprise to it. There was some uncertainty with it. In many times in our life we may look at certain people and they come into church or we may look at certain people that, that when they get saved. We may look at certain people that are doing ministry in different ways or want to help in things. And we may think, are they really qualified to do that thing? Maybe sometimes we even look in the mirror and uh, we feel like God wants to use us for something. We have a desire to do something to serve. Maybe you have a desire to be in church and more and you just feel like, man, I just don't. You look in the mirror and it's like, I don't know if I'm really qualified to be one of those churchy people. Be one of those followers of Christ. Maybe maybe you look and you want to serve in some capacity. You want to be more obedient. You want to sing. You want to help in some way. But you just look in the mirror and the enemy tells you. Maybe all the voices that have always whispered around you all your life saying you're not good enough. You're not worthy enough. You're not capable. Or you don't have any gifts. You don't have any talents. You don't have any abilities. You're unqualified. And you look at yourself and I just don't know if I'm qualified to to raise my hand in worship. I, I just don't know if I'm qualified to, to come and be a part of that church. I just don't know if I'm, I'm qualified to serve and help with the youth or serve and help with food pantry or, or do this or do that. I just don't know if I'm qualified to even have a role in the church. 
why in the world would God want to use me? Doesn't He know that I'm this and I'm that and the other? Doesn't He know my secrets? Doesn't He know my story? Doesn't He know what I struggle with? Doesn't He know what I'm going through? Doesn't He know that I'm unqualified? And the enemy will do his best to get you to remove yourself from what God wants you to be doing. To hinder you from embracing the call that God has on your life. Whether it be a faithful, obedient member of the church. Whether it be somebody who prays and who talks to people. Whether it be somebody who goes and serves in different capacities. Whether it be somebody who, who goes out and ministers to people in Jellicoe or other places. And you look at yourself and the enemy's convinced you. You don't have a place. You don't have a role. You don't have anything. You're unqualified to be a servant of the Lord. You're unqualified to be a Christian. Why would he want you? Why would he desire you? Why would he use you? And he has convinced you of that many times. Many seasons saying you're just not good enough. You're just unqualified for what you think you're supposed to do. And even sadly, there's sometimes in the church world that we have mirrored that and echoed that to people, saying, You just can't do that. You just can't serve. You just can't help. You you don't some even sadly it's to it's to say some say you can't even come to church here because of this, that and and the other. I want you to understand that God chooses to use unqualified people. And you may feel inferior, and you may feel less than, and you may feel like you don't even fit in to what you're used to seeing the church world do, right? I didn't know a lot of young preachers when I was growing up. I was 14 years old starting this, and all these other boys playing ball and stuff like that and doing things, and I'm like, well, let's go preach Sunday, right? I, I didn't fit into the paradigm of what people were expecting to see. You might not fit in the paradigm of what people expected to see. Understand this, cultural context real quick. The Sadducees and the Pharisees, the members of the Sanhedrin court, were the most educated people in Jerusalem, some of the most educated people in all the Roman Empire at that time, and here comes two fishermen that tell them off. That say, well, if it's wrong for us to listen to God more than you, that's for you to decide, but we're just going to do our own thing. And they say, we don't got nothing to say against that. That's a pretty good argument. Who are these fellas? They didn't fit in. All these with the nice clothes and the nice things going on, and they had all the power and the position and the authority and the knowledge, and they knew the Torah, and they knew all the laws and all these things. And there comes two fishermen. Don't fit into the place. Looked unqualified, but they did the work of God that He had called them to do. And you might be kind of that weirdo. And you might not fit into what people expect or think that this role looks like or this person looks like or what a singer or a worshiper looks like. You come in, you raise your hands and worship Lord because it don't matter what you look like. You come in, you might, well, I don't, I, can't, I don't have a place. I can't come to the altar. What do they think of me? I can't go and serve in this. What will they think of me? If you, no matter what, if you know Jesus Christ, your Savior, you might feel like you are unqualified. But what He has called you to, He wants to use you in, right? I love, I love how they said that. They looked at them. They looked at these fellas. They looked at Peter and John. They perceived. They perceived means they got it. They understood. It wasn't even a question in their mind. It wasn't like, maybe they're a little bit uneducated. They understood completely. They said, they're uneducated. They're not trained men. They don't know what in the world's going on. They don't understand all that we do. They don't understand all this and that and the nuances of what's going on in the temple. Yet here they come in and they're uneducated, they're untrained, they're unqualified, yet they're doing what God has called them to do. They're doing what God has called them to do. So I want you to understand as you come into church today, I don't know what you came in with, I don't know what the Holy Spirit is speaking with you today or what He may speak with you in the future. But those that are bought by the blood, blood price of Christ are able and capable to do the work that God has called them 
to do. Amen. But what was it that set the disciples apart, set these apostles apart, Peter and John apart, and these others, that made it seem so strange, but then they still listened to him, is because they spent time with Christ. The second part of the 13th verse reads like this. It says, And they realized that they had been with Jesus. This right here, this part of the verse, is one of the most powerful verses and parts of Scripture in all of the Bible when we understand what we're talking about here. When we understand the power and the context of what's going on in the second part of the 13th, the 13th verse of the 4th chapter of John, right? These men were thought of as unqualified. And to be a Sadducee and a Pharisee in part of the Sanhedrin court, they were unqualified for that, right? They didn't, they didn't have the training. They, they weren't born into the right family. They didn't go through all these things. They couldn't be a part of that, right? But they entered into that place with some boldness because of who they had been with. I want to, to make it very clearly, very quickly, that Peter, James, and John, all the other disciples, the twelve that walked with them, and all those others that followed Christ in this time, had a very unique relationship with Jesus Christ. They physically walked on the face of the earth with Christ Himself. They physically sat at the foot of Jesus and listened to Him teach and give explanation and revelation into the Torah, into other verses, into the, uh, what they're supposed to be expected of Christians and followers of Christ, what it means to follow after God, to pursue God, to know God, to get close to Him. He gave all these explanations. John even says in one place, he says, everything that Jesus did, the books of the world cannot contain. We only get a part of it, and these disciples were here for all of it. They saw it all, they heard it all, they understood it, they, they, they knew it all, and then as they got older and they went on, the Holy Spirit worked in them, they began to understand it. Here are these guys that spent time with Christ. And the Sadducees and Pharisees, they go and they say, these are uneducated, these are untrained men, but there's something about them, there's something that just it doesn't fit, and it must be because they spent time with that Jesus fella. That one that we killed, that one that we crucified, that one that we persecuted, that one that was doing all these mighty works and doing all these mighty things through the name of God, and he proclaimed that he was the Son of God. They, they must, they, there's something different about them because they've sat and they've been and sit time, spent time with this Christ, with Jesus Christ. Now I understand. We'll never have the same, the exact same relationship. How the disciples had with Jesus. Solely because we, we don't get to physically walk with him. He is in heaven making intercessions for us, right? But we can still experience the presence and be under the authority of God Almighty still today. That's why the Holy Spirit came. That's why Jesus came and then he sent the Holy Spirit to Comforter so that we can still have access, still have relationship, still have an understanding, still have a closeness to God Almighty. And if the Sadducees and Pharisees, those ones that didn't even want to receive Christ, understood that being with Christ made a difference in these fellows' lives, don't you think it still would make a difference in our lives? If it made a difference to Peter and, James, Peter and John so much that the Sadducees and Pharisees looked at them and said, oh, we don't understand how they got this way. We don't understand how they're able to talk so well. We don't understand how they understand the Torah so much. We don't understand how they understand these concepts and these things that are far above them, far beyond what they've normally done, far beyond their education level. It must be Jesus. Then why do we not think that Jesus can have that effect on us today if we spend time with Him? If we spent time with Christ. The Sanhedrin courts recognize that being in the presence of Jesus, who we know is God, has a lasting and a powerful effect on individuals. But do we believe that? 
Do we believe that having a, having a relationship with God, being close to Him, getting to know Him, spending time with Him, being in His presence, sitting under His authority, has a difference, makes a difference on our life? Do we believe that it impacts us? Do we believe that it makes us stronger? Do we believe that it helps us grow closer to Him? Do we believe that it helps us, do we believe that it helps us be better people being in the presence of the Lord, spending time with Him? Because if we do, then we should be pursuing Him constantly and fiercely and powerfully each and every day because we should want to grow closer to Him. If you really think, that, if we really believe that being in somebody's presence makes a difference, we will be with them, right? If you think that somebody's going to love you because you spend more time with them, guess what? You want them to love you, you spend more time with them. If you think that being around somebody is going to help you get closer to them, help you become a better person, if you think sitting under a mentor, sitting under a teacher, and being around them is going to help you be smarter, be wiser, be more knowledgeable, get closer to God, you will be around them as constantly and as often as you can. So if we understand this, the Sanhedrin court, the Sadducees and Pharisees, they knew it then, and I believe that we know this now, that being in the, spending time in the presence of the Lord makes us better people. Why don't we spend more time with Him? Why don't we try to be closer to Him? Why don't we spend more time in His presence? Because you would think with people, as we become saved, and we say we want to be more like God, and we want to get closer to God, one of the songs that I thought about singing this morning, I want to know more about our Lord, right? I want to get closer to Him. I want to know more about Him. You think that as often as we say those things, and we say that we want those things, that we would spend more time with Him to accomplish those things. Yet, however, what we come to and what we see in the world around us is that the church oftentimes spend as little time with God as they have to. We come to church and we do what we have to do. We pray when we have to pray. We make sure when we go out and we have dinner with, with, with somebody out in a restaurant, we make sure we say a meal because we know people are watching, but maybe we don't pray when we go home. And we don't spend time with Him in a closet somewhere or when we're by ourselves and when we're lonely or when we're going through things or things about Maybe we don't talk to Him. Maybe we don't spend time with Him. Why don't we spend time with Christ? Why don't we spend time trying to get closer to him? We see the effect that it had on these disciples, these apostles. We see how it helped them become closer to him and gave them access and power and authority and helped them be able to, to work, serve the church and serve the community and help people see, be saved and help them know God and help them get closer to him. It was because of the time they spent with him. It wasn't just like God said, okay, I'm going to touch a couple on your head and you don't have to do anything, but I'm going to give you all the power and authority and all this stuff. No, it was because of the time... They had spent with God that equipped them and enabled them and helped them become more than what they ever thought they could be them be in themselves. And if we would do the same, we could do great and mighty things. Yet, yet, we ask why we struggle doing what God has asked us to do. We ask why we have a hard time accomplishing what He's commanded us to do. We ask why we just aren't able to follow His commandments. We ask why we're just not able to do what He's told us to do in Scripture by talking to people, by reaching out to people, by loving people, by helping people, by ministering, by serving the church, the body of believers. And we ask, why can't we do that? And the answer maybe is we've just not spent time with God. And that's why we're struggling. And that's why we're weary. And that's why we're browbeat and, going, and just not able to get past this, not able to be stronger. It's because we've just not spent time with God. I know this is not talking about coming to church on Sunday morning. That's great. It's where we should be. It's where God wants us to be. It's where He desires for us to be. But I'm talking about praying with Him and talking with Him in the, in the night time whenever we're, nobody else is noticing and nobody else is around and we just feel like we need to talk to somebody. It's that kind of time with God. 
It's when we're just going through hardships and going through bad times and just getting to a place and just talking with Him and crying out to Him. It's going when times when we're in the car and just we had a rough day and we just cry out to Him. It's going when things are going well and we go off. I love to go off in the woods or different places when I was growing up. We go off to some place and we find a time and we find a season to spend time with God. But do we spend time with with God? I want to let you on a secret. If the only time you spend with God is when you're here hearing me preach, you're not really spending enough time with God. I mean, that's the reality. I'm man, right? You can talk to me all you want to, and I can try to bring revelation from Scripture, and I can try to, to be as obedient to the Holy Spirit as I can be, and I can try to, to give you knowledge and give you wisdom and speak into your life, but guess what? I'm not God. Time with Jacob doesn't equate time with God. Time with a mentor doesn't equate time with God. Time just going and, and doing your own thing, but not really talking to God, not really praying, not really listening, doesn't equate time to God. Coming in and doing this and that doesn't equate being in time with God. Time with God means you're in connection with Him. You are listening to Him. You are observant of what He is doing in your life. That is the time with God that we see the apostles lived out And it's the time with God that we should be seeking in our own personal lives. I want you to desire to come to church and and, and hear the preached word of God. We all should. But that's that's time in worship, right? That's time under the the preaching of the word of God. We need more time where we just get off by ourselves and say, Lord, here I am. I'm listening. Lord, here I am. Speak with me. I love what Samuel says. Samuel was a little boy too. He was being called to ministry and everything. And he... He's in the temple and he goes and he hears the voice calling out Samuel. And he goes to Eli, which is the high priest. He says, here I am. Tell me what you want me to do. And he said, no, boy, I'm not called you. He says, go back to bed. Same, same thing happens again. The voice of God calls out to Samuel. Samuel goes to Eli says, here I am. What do you want me to do? He said, boy, it's not me. He says, maybe maybe, maybe it's the voice of God. He says, next time, he says, say, here I am, Lord, speak to me. Right? Layman's term. He goes back to bed. He hears the voice of God a third time. And he says, here I am, Lord, speak. That's time with God. Here I am, Lord. Speak. It's turning off everything. It's pulling away from everything. It's getting to the point where it's just you and God. And you say, here I am, Lord. Speak. Speak to your servant. Speak to the one that you have saved. Speak to your child. Speak to me what it is that you want me to know, how it is you want me to grow, what it is you want want me to be filled with. Here I am, Lord. Speak. We need to spend more time with Christ in the presence of the Lord. In the presence of the Lord. It had an impact on these disciples. Without it, without it, they wouldn't have got to this point. Without it, they probably would have just came in in front of the Sanhedrin court and they would have crumbled. They would have faltered. They would have said, I'm sorry, we shouldn't have done this. Please don't kill us. Please don't hurt us. Please don't do anything bad to us. Please don't cast us out of society. Please don't hurt our families. But no, in a place where they should have had no reason of being, where they had no ability that anybody else knew or understood to stand confidently before these men that were feared by society, they stood and said, if you want us to do this, that's that's up to you, but but we're going to do what we've been doing. Because we've spent time with God. And I want you, each and every one of us, to have that same mentality 
that whatever comes, whatever may happen, when things go bad, when things are going wrong, your strength comes from the time that you have previously spent with God. And the honest reality is, is whenever we spend, when we don't spend time with God, when those things happen, we crumble. We falter. We fall. That's when we sin. That's when we give in to temptation. That's when we deny the name of Christ. That's when we don't, aren't obedient to who He is. But when we have spent time with God, we are ready and we are prepared for whatever may assail us. Come what may, we have spent time with God and our strength is founded in Him. Amen. But I love as this, these few verses continue. And it gets to the point in verses 19 and 20. And we see that, that they focused on what they knew and we should focus on and you should focus on what you, you know. So 19.20 reads like this. It says, But Peter and John answered... It says, then whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. Which is kind of like a backwards, backwards way of saying, hey, you don't know what you're talking about anyway. You judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. We cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. In layman's term, what they're saying is we can only talk about what we we know. I love this little blurb, right? This little, this this little verse that they say here is just a, it's almost like a little jab. It's like we're going to talk about what we know. If you think you should be higher than God, that's on you, buddy. But we're going to do what God has told us to, what Christ has told us to, what Jesus has commanded us to do. The apostles had witnessed some great things and heard Christ teach powerful truths, and they knew that, that it was required of them. To share that. Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20 says, This is Jesus talking to the disciples. It's what we call the Great Commission. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe what? All things that I have commanded you. What you saying? What you've seen, what you've heard, share it. What you've seen, what you've heard. Share it. What do they tell the Sanhedrin court? We're going to speak the things which we have seen and heard. Here's what they're saying. You've given us one command, and Christ has given us another. You say to not talk about what we've seen and heard. Christ told us to tell everybody what he has taught us, what we've seen and heard of him. It's your decision to think if we shouldn't listen to Christ, but we know within ourselves that we should listen to Christ. And we are going to share what we know. We are going to share what we know. Some of you have come in this morning and you've seen some things, right? You've been some places. You've walked down some rough roads. You've been in some tragic situations. You've experienced things that other people haven't experienced. And if it wasn't for the power of God, you wouldn't be here today. You've got things to tell. Amen? You went through all kinds of awful things and you've got a testimony to share with the world. And you might not understand all the isms and the schisms and the nuances of the Scriptures and everything like that. But you know what it is that you've seen and heard and experienced that God has done in your life. You have something to tell. Tell them what you know. Tell them what you know. John chapter 4 tells us the story of the woman at the well. Amen? Since Jesus had to go to Samaria, he said, I must need to go to Samaria. So they go to Samaria. He sits at Jacob's well and his disciples go into town. He says, about that time in the middle of the day, which wasn't the time that people came to get water, mind you. It was, in the, it was early in the morning when it was cool. But in the middle of the day, this woman came out into this desert place to find the well to, to get water is what the Bible tells us. He, says, he tells this woman, he says, 
says, give me a drink. She said, buddy, you don't, you don't have anything to draw with. She said, what are you even doing asking me to drink? I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. We, we don't have dealings with each other. She's unqualified. And uh, he said, he said, if you knew who I was, if you knew who it was that was asking you a drink, you wouldn't be wondering about what I'm going to draw it up with. You wouldn't be wondering about me being a Jew and you being a Samaritan. You'd be asking me for a drink of living water. Water that you would never thirst again. She says, how, how can I have this? He says, go fetch your husband and bring him here. She said, I don't have a husband. He says, you, you speak well. Because you don't have a husband. You've had five before, and the one you have right now is not your own. And the Bible continues, and we get to verse 19 and 20. The Bible says that the, the disciples <clears throat> came back, and they kind of questioned what Jesus was doing, talking to this, this woman. She goes back to town, and this is what she says. In John chapter 4, verses 28 through 30, it says, The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, Come and see a man who told me all things that I have ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. She didn't walk with this man. She spent time with this man for more than maybe 30 minutes. Yet by the time that she, with the time that she had spent with him, she left having something to say. When we spend time in the presence of the Lord, when we spend time drawing close to Him, when we spend time being observant of what it is that He gives us through His Word and through His Scripture, when we spend time hearing the Holy Spirit work in us, we will leave with something to say. Amen? When we go through life and we've been through the hardships and we've seen some things and we've done some things and we've walked some paths and we've been in situations and circumstances that we honestly don't even want to talk about, but God brought us out of that, we've got something that we can talk about because we know what it is that Jesus Christ has done in our lives. Get this. I love theology. I love doctrine. I want to understand it more. I want to know the deeper depths of Scripture. However... The person in Jellicoe that is homeless, the person in Elk Valley that is on drugs, the person that you meet in Walmart whenever they're just going through a hard time, they don't give two flips about doctrine and theology. They want to know what Jesus has and can do. And you can tell Him what He has and can do. Because if you've seen some things and you've been some places and you've walked some paths, you've got a testimony that you can share with those that want to hear about Jesus. Amen? We need to understand. We need to understand that I, 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 like I said, I like the deep stuff. But people don't want the deep stuff right at that point when they're lost and they're undone and they need Jesus. They just need to know, what can Jesus do? What can Jesus do that the world can't do for me? What can Jesus do that this, this needle can't do for me? What can Jesus do that this pill can't do for me, that this bottle can't do for me, that this woman, this man can't do for me? What can Jesus do that the government can't do for me, that other people can't do for me? We have something to tell them. Because we've spent time with God. Because God has come and He has spoken to our lives and He has brought salvation into our situation, removed us from whatever plot that we were in, set us upon a solid foundation, the Bible says, a solid road to walk close to Him. We have Something to tell them. Something to tell them. Tell them what you know. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you about my Lord. Let me tell you about my Savior. Let me tell you about my Healer. Let me tell you about my Deliverer. And let me tell you what He can do for you. Amen. We need to understand. 
we, we, we're going to do evangelism here in, in a couple of weeks. We need to understand and get to the point where we are equipped and we are able and we understand how to share our stories of what Christ has done to a world that is ready to receive it and to hear it. The Bible tells us in one place that the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Why are they few? Because so many of us feel unequipped. We don't feel, we don't feel like we're qualified. We feel untrained. We feel uneducated. If you know what God has done for you, you have the ammunition to go out into the, you have the tools to go out to the field and to bring in the harvest by telling them what you know. Tell them what you know. I love what Gilbert says when we're talking about issues that might have some conflict within them, confusion within the world. And he always goes back to and it, it, it's, uh, it's basically like if he was the woody toy and he had a pull string and he had like five sayings, one of Gilbert's saying was tell him what Scripture says. That would be one of Gilbert's saying, right? Tell him what Scripture says. Just tell him what Scripture says. Just tell him what Scripture says. We need to get to the place where we know what Scripture says. We know what God has done for us. We know that the Bible tells us that if you're lost and undone, you need a Savior. We also know that the Bible tells us that Jesus is that Savior. Amen. That if you need help, Jesus is that help. If you need strength, Jesus is that strength. If you need knowledge, Jesus is that knowledge. If you need wisdom, Jesus is that wisdom. If you need deliverance, Jesus is the deliverer. If you need somebody to come by and just give you the comfort that you need, He is that comforter. And whatever you need, He is the filler of that need. We know that, so let's tell them that. Tell them what? You know. Tell them what? You know. Tell them what? You know. The what you know will grow and expand as you spend time with God, but we all have something we can tell somebody about Jesus right now. Right now. Today. You could go out and you could find some stranger on the street and you can find some person that's lost and undone without God and you could tell them what you know right now. Because I pray that you know Jesus. And I pray that you know what He has done for you by saving you and redeeming you by making you new, let us tell them about our Jesus. Amen. Let us tell them about our Lord. I am.